1: And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride.
0: Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein.
2: And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday.
1: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: My name is Naja Parker, and welcome to HBCU Journeys, a special edition podcast series brought to you by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In this 10-part series, our team of reporters, Rosalind Bentley, Eric Sturgis, and Ernie Suggs, dig into the heart of what makes an HBCU experience so unique through candid interviews with the people who enjoy them the most. In this episode, we chat with Karen Wood, a Spelman graduate, which means she's my Spelman sister since I also graduated from this institution. But she isn't your traditional student. Unlike me, I started school when I was 18, but not Miss Karen Wood. She actually finished school when she was in her 50s. Rosalyn, can you tell me more about what you all chatted about?
2: Certainly, and thanks again for having me, Nausea. Karen is a really dynamic woman, and they say that when you're in your 50s, that's when you really know what you want, and you'll go after it and nothing will stop you. And this was really the case with Karen. Karen actually had an early experience with an HBCU when she was a teenager, but for some very, very personal reasons, she had to pull out of school and then uh, was out of school for quite some time. But there was something within her that made her say, I have to finish what I started. And so that's what led her to Spelman under a really interesting program that Spelman offers for women who are considered non-traditional students and for women like Karen of a certain age who have experience but are no ways
1: tired and certainly are not gonna give up.
0: That sounds amazing. Well, we can't give too much away, so let's have our readers listen in.
1: My name is Karen Wood. I'm a 2016 Comparative Women's Studies major for a graduate of Spelman College. I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. All right. Now, you said you're from
2: Atlanta, but you told me the other day you were from Augusta, GA.
1: Actually, I was born in Augusta, GA. I was probably there less than a week. They were literally were waiting for me to be born. (laughs) My father was uh, doing an honorable discharge at the time, but I was due any day. So they they were literally just waiting. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
2: Well, um, tell me a little bit about this Because you moved around quite a bit When you were growing up Yes So it wasn't always in the South And not always around
1: HBCUs Correct Um, Grew up in the Midwest And a little bit in the North Uh, My father worked uh, Was a white collar worker Worked for uh, IBM, Xerox and those places So they move you (laughs) Um, We lived in Woodstock. I went to the original uh, I went to Woodstock Elementary and I was there for the original Woodstock Festival. So, uh, really? it actually, yes, I was in kindergarten. No, I was in first grade, first grade. And I just remember going to the grocery store and seeing these people who looked different. I would ask mommy, how come they look like clowns? Is there a circus going on? But I did not realize <laughs> what was going on at the time until years later that there was this huge festival. And uh, I would just look the other day at my first grade picture from Woodstock Elementary School. So... Oh, <laughs> From, from there, uh, we moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, from there to Houston, Texas. From there, I uh, attended college at Tennessee State University in Nashville, Tennessee. Um,
2: but you, okay, so you move around, mm-hmm. you get to all these places. But how did you decide, okay, Tennessee State, how about not Vanderbilt? How mm. about You know, not University of Wisconsin. Or how did you decide since black colleges weren't necessarily part of the family history, it sounds, how did you decide I'm going to Big Blue?
1: I grew up in a, uh, I went to private parochial schools where my brothers and I were the only blacks in the whole school. That was my only representation. But at that time, it was the best education my parents were giving me. They wanted me to have that uh, access to um, different opportunities by attending these schools and the better education. So they put us in a Mm -hmm. situation that challenged us, but yet made us prepared for uh, college wherever we wanted to go. Um, Both my brothers and I sought out... uh, HBCUs. It wasn't even a question that we wanted to go to HBCUs because I was more uh, uh, wanted to know more about my identity and my life. I grew up around uh, um, in a community that was German and white, um, uh, where we were one of three families that were the only blacks in the whole uh, block, and. it was challenging, you know, to be known for more than, oh, you can play sports, you know, mm-hmm. oh, and, I'm, and I'm smart. But it was always you can play sports, being the last one to be picked on the, uh, the team, so to speak, uh, because of my color. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, and being the only girl, so my experience was a little bit different than my brother's because I was not only black, in a white environment. I was black and a female. So I decided that, I said, hmm, Um, after I attended Tennessee State, uh, I got three scholarships, actually, while I was living in Houston. I got one to Jarvis Christian College. I said, that's too close to home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My parents wanted me to go to Tuskegee where my brothers were. I said, no, I've been protected all my life around them. And um, then I had one to Pepperdine, way out in California. Um, California. I think it's Malibu. And I said, I don't want to go there. I want to go to a black college. I had attended a few homecomings at Tennessee State. And I said, I like this feel. I like this feel of family and, you know, family reunion and people care and the hugging and all of that. And I saw myself in that environment. So um, I attended Tennessee State. Right. And um, did you feel I mean,
2: did it? live up to your expectation that, yes, I feel that I'm at home. I'm not
1: the only one. Actually it did. Um, uh, stepping on campus I was greeted by a AKA who took me around campus and I come from a family of Delta. so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and that's okay, and that was fine. But she was the first one who embraced me and, and let me go. My parents drove me from Houston straight up to Tennessee State mm-hmm. uh, to Nashville, and uh, they talked to me the whole. Right there. So uh, I remember them saying, you know, we got to get back to work to pay for this. So literally within about three hours after my mother made up my room and everything and gave me all those essentials and my father made sure I had some money in my pocket and would send some more later, uh, they had to get back to Houston to go to work. And I remember being led around uh, by um, uh, a.k.a. Her name was Jan, I think. Uh, If I remember. And that made such an impact on me that two years later, I end up uh, pledging, aka, uh, they called it pledging back then. (laughs) Well, they call it pledging now. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I end up joining the sorority and that was back in 1980.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. So, but then you, Spellman comes into the picture because I'm not hearing that you
1: finished up at TSU. Actually, I was. Doing very well at TSU. Um, I uh, was on honors roll. I uh, um, was a, I started off as an art major, and then I went into a psychology major. But what happened at Tennessee State was not what happened there, but what was happening at home. Um, my parents uh, subsequently got divorced, and I was my foundation was shaken. I just you know, it caught me off guard and everything like that. And I was angry. (laughs) I was angry that I would have to make a choice. Where am I going to go spend the holidays? Where am I going to, I was angry. I was young. I was like, you know, this was a big deal. You all were everything to me. You know, you were my mentors. You, my parents were both college educated. They had groomed me, the debutante stuff with my mom, all of that, all of taught me how to cook, clean. And I was like, you know, What's going to happen to our family dynamic? Why am I going to have to make this choice? So uh, in my anger, I left school and I said, I'm out of here. Not only did I leave school, I left the world, so to speak, and start working for the airlines. (laughs) So I decided to go see the world and I I specifically decided to work on holidays so I would not have to make that choice. Oh, wow. wow. (laughs) To... um, Go home during mm-hmm. the holidays and make that trip. I didn't want to wa- make one parent mad over the other. Mm-hmm. And, and as, of course, as I got older, I found out that that didn't make a difference mm-hmm. <laughs> to All them. Right. They said they didn't care, you know.
2: So how, well. long, so how long did you work for them and how long?
1: I worked for work- the airline for 30 years. All right.
2: So 30, 30 years. years you're out in the world, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing well. So how did you decide it's time for me to go back to school? And then how did you decide it's also time for me to go back to another HBCU?
1: So what happens is you start to uh, I worked and fell in love and got married and had two children. And it's it's. It's a labor of love, of course, raising them. And as they got older and got out of high school and got into college, I saw them, I saw some patterns starting to develop. I believe that children do what you do and not what you say. And it took me a long time to realize that. So uh, not only that, they were older and they were doing fine. And they were in school. But I saw them say, it's starting to get challenging. I may leave. And I always taught them, stuff happens, keep going. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens, sh- happens, keep going. You right. know, it, it's it's going to get ugly. Keep going. Mm-hmm. And I saw them get out of semester and all of that. I never told them at the time that I was considering going back to school. And then I, uh, after divorcing their father some years later and trying to improve my economic situation, I thought that this would be the best way to do it. And honestly, I was making a good living as a private investigator with Delta Airlines, as an mm-hmm. IT security investigator, but I wanted to have my options to do mm-hmm. whatever I wanted to do or create a business.
2: Okay. Well, now... I got to ask, Yeah, and you shouldn't ask a lady her age, so they say. But how old were you then when you made this decision?
1: I was 53 years old. My children were out of high school. I was done all the PTA president, all of that. They were a freshman and sophomore in college themselves. But, again, I saw them struggling a little bit. And so I said, it's time for me to go back. <laughs> all right. Well, how did you— navigate that well yeah exactly (laughs) how did you decide well of course you know having a mortgage and a car note and all of that kind of stuff you're thinking where's the money going to come from (laughs) you know and um what i found out is just get in and it all comes together you know every, every the universe works on your behalf when you're doing the right thing so uh i applied didn't tell one family member, even though I had two family members who had attended Spelman College. I said, um, I'm just going to wait because of the stigma attached to it and going back at such a late age. I wasn't, I was still a little shaky about it. Mm-hmm. So I got that magical letter on in blue and white stationery and I screamed. I said, I don't believe it. I got in. I got in. And it was a special program that was for uh students that were 25 and older, called the Pauline E. Drake Program. Uh, Dr. Drake was a graduate herself of Spelman College and created uh, this program, was named after her. It initially was called the Gateway Program, but now it's called the Pauline E. Drake Program. And so I am now a Pauline E. Drake scholar um, of Spelman College.
2: But you've got to tell me, though. You get this letter, you scream. (laughs) (laughs) And you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to be a Spelman woman. So what's that like going to the campus that first time and seeing at this time, you're probably saying I'm the age. You probably are saying I'm the age of maybe some of the professors.
1: Mm. And and the age of. Some of my classmates' parents, and the age of some of the classmates that I went to school with, I now see their children at Spelman College. So, tell me about that, that. whole. Uh, how'd you deal with that? How'd you deal? How'd you deal? I think with I was more concerned with that initially, but I promise you. Um, as I stated in one of our earlier conversation, there was something that my father and my mother always taught me. A closed mouth doesn't get fed. And I began to build relationships and collaborating with these youngsters and um, um, these young women who inspired me to another level and said, you can do this. And how come you're so current, uh, Miss Wood, and all of that? And I said, because my children are your age and they (laughs) keep me so as far as technology and all of that, I made a sacrifice, got out of corporate America, start working for a company, Apple Retail, that would allow me to go back to school and have the schedule. So um, because I could no longer afford to go to all these meetings in corporate America, I had to be in school. So it was a lot of sacrifice that I made. But um, making that transition became, I got very uh, involved on campus whether it was leadership positions, mentoring. Um, I became one of the campus queens on campus because of my scholarship and my activism and uh, um, all the work that I did on campus. Uh, I even had an um, opportunity at one of our commencements. I was assigned to work the commencement uh, ceremony for the board of uh, directors for the school. And I had an opportunity to meet one of the senior VPs uh, of Apple who is one of two blacks that works at Apple. She had no idea at the time that I worked at Apple too (laughs) and that's Mm -hmm. Lisa Jackson. So um, yeah.
2: Okay but tell me what was campus what was campus life like in the sense of well did you live on campus or did you just kind of spend a
1: lot of time hanging out in the dorm rooms with some of your classmates? I actually did not I lived at home. I had a mortgage. I had a place to live. So they have what they call a commuter lounge where you can go there while you're in between your classes and everything. I was able to manage my schedule where I had most of my classes in the evening and I worked during the day. Um um arriving on campus, uh, the campus itself is beautiful. You would want to go there just to hang out or just to meditate or just to read a book. So I enjoyed going to campus every day. Um, I enjoyed one of my favorite places is the Women's Center and the, uh, um, the Camille Cosby Building. And also uh, I attended just several productions in the museum and all of that. So I, I felt rather at home there. All right mm-hmm. right so what was homecoming like
2: going oh. to homecoming when you at that point are 50 <laughs> the, yeah when you're
1: 53 <laughs> <laughs> um let's just say there there's this uh, saying what happens at homecoming stays at homecoming we are all on the same level <laughs> try to turn up and just have a good time and celebrate each other and to celebrate our accomplishments that's the time where the you're a, a CEO of a, a large corporation or you're an attorney working an important case or you're a social worker working on um, uh, uh, with children and uh, uh, marginalized communities or something, you all just are able to let your hair down and celebrate your accomplishments and catch up and network and collaborate and celebrate each other.
2: Okay. Well, how about a step show? Did you step?
1: Actually, actually um, I think you remember when the AKAs were in town in Atlanta. We did do some stepping at that t- at that time. Did that was you doing, do some. Stepping. I actually did. I yes, I did. <laughs> we call that stroll now. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. I had a wonderful time.
2: Well, tell me about then how you became, I mean, you became so integrated on the campus. You mentioned that you were one of the campus queens at one of the homecomings.
1: I was um, encouraged by many, and I I left a huge piece out of this. When you're going through this journey, there's always somebody that kind of pushes you and lifts you and pushes you uh, to that and says, you can do this, and I got you, and I'm going to keep you accountable. Um, and that person was Darlene Garcia, who is now my partner, and um, she is also a Spelman graduate, 2011, but she's also a Clark Atlanta uh, graduate with her master's. But um, it, there's such uh, ingrained sisterhood that um, when you're having your darkest day, they're, they're right there. And how am I going to balance and get that work-life balance and school-life balance together? Uh, that's what kept me grounded. And then they lead you and and um, introduce you to the people who can help you make it through and the departments and the places where you can study and, and all of that. Because we study a different way as older students. We don't have to go to every social event. We're, we're focused on studying and Taking care of that mortgage, or creating businesses, or all of that, mm-hmm. and that's another thing I learned while I was at Spelman. Back when I went to school the first time, it was graduate, go to school, go out and beg, oops, beg somebody for a job. Tell you what, let's stop real quick. Okay, say that again okay. so we can't, so yeah. we won't get. Okay, when I went to school the first time, um, it was about. Go to high school, graduate, go to college, and then you go outside and you be- beg somebody for a job. It's not that way anymore. Not at Spelman College. Spelman College taught me that you, of course, go to high school, start taking some of those college classes while you're there <laughs> so you can get rid of the basics. And then you go to, do, then you go to uh, college, you build relationships uh, and collaborations and create businesses while you're there there are so many you know people are so interested in reaching up and trying to get to the CEO instead of reaching across the table not knowing that their blessing is right there. So and that's what I have learned Um, as a result of that I am now in the midst of creating my own nonprofit that's called Clean Up Your Act that is going to help give women resources to rebuild and rebrand their lives. They have been victims of sex trafficking um, abuses of different kinds. Um, I have also started uh, another business, which is my uh, quilting business. You send me your t-shirts, I send you your uh, a quilt back that tells your story and your journey. So whether it's HBCU, sorority, quilts of your father's memory or your child's memory, that's what I send back to you.
2: Well, and you told me that <laughs> Spellman figures into this quilt making oh, once yeah. again.
1: <laughs> they, right. I simply um, was cleaning out my closet one day and I said, I'm not going to get rid of my Spelman t-shirts or my sororities t-shirts. I threw them on the floor and I just start cutting them into squares. Sewed them together, put some African uh, cloth fabric around the border and before I knew it, I had a blanket that I could use to take to the park, wrap up around the fireplace and everything. And I said, let me go show some of the girls what they can do with their T-shirts and not to get rid of them. So I took it up to my department and um, they said, Karen, I had no idea you knew how to do this. I said, I've been sewing since I was a little girl. My mother and my grandmother taught me years ago. And the fabric that I had was when I worked from the airline. So I had gotten that from Ghana, and I just took it and framed it out. And um, they looked at me and they said, Karen, we're gonna commission you to make one for our department. I said, commission? I've never been commissioned for anything. I didn't think anything about this. I can, I do this in my sleep. I've made my maternity clothes. I did all of that. So they said, yeah, we just need you to write up a little narrative, a little contract, and uh, let us know what your cost is. I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what that is to say is that your gift will make room for you. And now my quilt is um, currently in the Spelman Archives. On December 11th, I think it will be presented to the school formally and now it will live beyond me for generations unborn. And um, it's, I like it so much because you're recyc- it's recyclable material. Mm-hmm. It's uh, serving a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's healing. Uh, each one of those squares tell a story. And in some cases, when I'm creating another one, I'm telling someone else's story. They're trusting me to tell that story in the form of a quilt that they'll give and pass on. So now it becomes a collectible.
2: So tell me then what sort of advice would you give to other women and men out there who are let's say in their late 40s, mm. their early 50s, maybe you know in their mid 50s, maybe they're 55 or older and they say I'd like to do this, but mm, my
1: time has passed on that. Do what makes you uncomfortable. Do what makes you uncomfortable, and that's where you learn the most. Um, i am I was taught that um, it's important to uh, diversify your income but also diversify your talent so in going back to school, it allowed me to rebuild and rebrand myself and uh my value <laughs> so um Uh, And by doing that, I had to do something that was uncomfortable, go back to school at an age and challenge myself in so many ways. And uh, what I found out is that we were all on the same level. When it came to writing that 25-page paper, we were all writing the same paper. (laughs) So uh, we were all collaborating with each other, and the resources will come to you. If you really want to do it, if you're really focused, those resources will come to you.
2: If people want to see the quilt that you just Describe okay. Where would they need to go, and will it be on view for the public going forward?
1: Yes and yes. Um, the archives at Spelman College, which is located on the second floor of um, the Cosby Building on Spelman's campus. Also, you'll see that same quote on my Instagram, which is at custom underscore quilts and it's spelt with a K so it's K-U-S-T-O-M underscore quilts K-W-I-L-T-S so on my Instagram so I have most of my quilts there uh, I was fortunate enough that the president of Spelman College also bought one of my quilts so I'm I'm really touched really 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 touched
2: so this was the perfectly right move for you
1: oh it's it's been the right move it 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 was (laughs) Destin. It was Destin. Yes, absolutely. Okay.
0: Well, thank you.
1: I'm Karen Wood, and this is my HBCU journey.
0: In our next episode, we meet with Carlton Riddick, a graduate of Johnson C. Smith University. He chats with us about finding a family away from home. And to read more about HBCU graduates and our whole series, log on to myajc.com for a full array of stories, videos, charts, and photos about the history and fate of America's Black colleges. I'm Nadja Parker. I'll catch you on the next episode. And thank you for listening to HBCU Journeys.
2: I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
0: It means everything to me.
2: Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at
0: www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL.